Previously on the Talking Buds podcast. The Boston Bruins look like they are having the most fun when they play the Leafs. They know how to get in the Toronto Maple Leafs head. Boston is in their head. Me watching, I just want to get out there and punch someone in the head. But if some guy gives you a shot, give him a shot back. Cronwall runs Matthews from behind into the boards. They're they're just staring at him. They are just ridiculously soft. Can't somebody stand up in that room and be like, we're grown men. You just need to suck it up. It's just like, come on, come on. They pretty much had no response. Wagner, who the hell is Wagner? Never heard of the guy in my life. The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Episode 12, Talking Buds Podcast. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours. Ryan, how's it going, buddy? Not too bad, man. Christmas time, man. God, it's busy. A week away. It's one week away. I know. I've kind of like almost been mailing it in a little bit on everything else in my life because it's Christmas time. And man, I just want to sit around and just do nothing and enjoy the holidays. Where are you at with your... Christmas shopping. I'm actually done. You're done? Wow, very impressive. Yeah, I've been done. Yeah, I've been done for a while now, which is surprising because usually I'm like a December 23rd type of guy. Well, I have to admit, Ryan, the last Christmas gift that I have to buy is yours. Oh, wow. Well, better be a good one, buddy. Yep. Because I already got your gifts done and um, they're going to be wrapped very soon. You're just going to have to wait until next Tuesday before the big reveal. Oh, well, I'm like, better be a good one, buddy. All right. That's enough. That's enough Christmas gift talk. We just got finished watching the Maple Leafs absolutely have their way with the woeful New Jersey Devils. Yeah, not a very good hockey team, man. They uh, and so Last year, they had a pretty good year. They were kind of a surprising hockey team, but this year, it's just not the case, and we saw that tonight, dude. They're not very good. I'm going to admit, Ryan, like after after the most recent Florida road trip, I've been I've been struggling to keep a positive attitude, man. I just it's been it's been a struggle. I just the Tampa Bay game, I thought they played well, but they ended up losing and it was so deflating. And then the Florida game, they just completely mailed that in until the third period. And then all of a sudden realized they were in a hockey game and needed to pick up a W. And so they started off tonight dominating this crappy Devils team. 
And at first I'm kind of sitting there like negative and cynical. And I'm like, yeah, good. This team sucks. They should be dominating this team. But you know what? It's Christmas time. It's the holiday season. Let's try and not be so negative. So you know what? I felt tonight was maybe what they needed just to go out there, get a confidence boost, beat up on a bad team. All the big boys got goals tonight. Tavares, Marner, Matthews. Marlow got one. Riley got one. Tyler Ennis got two. The Leafs defeating the Devils 7-2. to two. And so I'm choosing to look at it in that regard. A positive win against a bad team. And they did exactly what they should do against a crap team like that. Well, you look at tonight. Tonight was kind of what it looks like when their game plan is actually like executed properly. Like that, we all know they're a stretch passing hockey team, a team that likes to spring their forwards on odd man rushes or one on one opportunities. And the Devils are a team that they're not very good and they had a hard time defending that. And you see how effective it can be when they can pull it off against a bad team. But we all know deep down that. Yeah, it might have looked good tonight, and the stretch pass might be all well and good for one game, but come uh, playoff time when you're playing a tougher team, we'll see how that stretch pass is. Uh, see how that stretch pass is working then. When did the New Jersey Devils get so god awful? Like they're pathetic. Well, they kind of like once Lou left, he kind of they were kind of on like a rebuilding mode, and then last year they kind of surprised everyone with a couple younger guys and Taylor Hall winning the heart, like. They had a pretty good year last year, but this is the NHL, man. Like, the parity is just outrageous, and you can have a team that's a, a surprise one year, and then the next year come out and stink like they do. All right, so it's been a week since our last show, and the last time we were on here, we teed up the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that game is still pretty fresh in everyone's minds. Like, you listen to sports radio you see chatter online. People are still talking about that game. That's a game where they lost 4-1. So if you look at the score sheet, it looks like it wasn't close. But a lot of people thought the Leafs played well in that game. So what are some takeaways that you had from that? I know that they struggled a lot on their power play in this game. They just couldn't seem to capitalize on their scoring chances. Vasilevsky was outstanding. It looked like it just like Babcock took some heat for... They go down 3-1, and then he shoves the fourth line out there, and then boom, it's 4-1, and it's just, it's interesting, you know, like, it's Tuesday night, that game was last Thursday, and it's still pretty fresh in everyone's minds. I'm still hearing a lot of chatter about it. Yeah, you're, you're kind of pissed off after watching it, because you just, you still want to see them prove themselves against a worthy hockey team and a team that's ahead of them in the standings, but... Man, like, we could be negative, and it's frustrating. Like, the game in Florida was frustrating. But this game, you know what? They came out. They started out pretty well. They hit a couple goal posts. They couldn't capitalize on the opportunities, which is how they usually win hockey games, is capitalizing on opportunities. The other team across the rink is just as skilled as they are, and they capitalize on their opportunities. They kind of... Tampa kind of played a Leaf game. Like, their goalie stood stood on his head, saved... 40-plus shots, almost 50, and they capitalized on their opportunities, and they they did what the Leafs usually do to the Leafs. So that game was frustrating because they've kind of been on a string of losing against pretty good hockey teams, so you just wanted to see them pick up that two points, and now Tampa's starting to kind of separate themselves from everyone else in the standings, but they just kind of got outleafed by the Lightning that night. They're great goaltending and a team that can score when they get their chance. 
yeah, I'm with you on the Heather chances in the beginning to sort of take a lead and like assert themselves and they just couldn't capitalize. And yeah, a couple power power play opportunities and their power play with all the guys they have on it, with all the skill and all the playmakers and all the shooters and all the scorers, they couldn't capitalize. And if you don't score against Tampa, they're going to score against you. And their goalie played a hell of a hockey game though, man. He was, he was phenomenal. He always seems to play well against the Leafs. I find. Yeah. Another thing about that team too, that's annoying is like, the guy gets injured and then they're like backup who's like almost out of the NHL last year is steps in and plays great for them. And I don't know if I could see Garrett Sparks doing that if Frederick Anderson goes down and it's kind of like Yaroslav Halak in Boston right now too. Like just backup goalie is now having a Vesna type season. Like it's just, that's just the way that it breaks for those teams. And it was a, it was an unfortunate loss, but I it's hard to sit there and be, super hard on them and kind of throw your hands up in the air and quit and say they're not good enough after the effort they put in that night. So they go to Florida Saturday night and don't show up for the first two periods. The highlight of the first two periods is Bonnie Marner doing the floss on the press box of the mom's trip. Yeah, the, the cool mom. They fall behind in that game, and then in the third period, they're like, oh, my God, we're here to play hockey. Make it 3-3, take it to overtime, then lose in overtime. Kind of a discouraging, like, they just looked like they didn't want to be there that night. And I just, this is where my negativity I was alluding to came from. I just, like, before tonight's game, I was just in this mode, like, this down sort of state of being like, is this team just destined for another first-round playoff exit? Because after the well-documented Boston loss last Saturday and then the loss to Tampa last week and then just the completely uninterested effort on Saturday night. I just, I was feeling pretty crappy before this New Jersey game tonight. Yeah, that game on Saturday, it was, it was a, it was not fun to watch the first two periods, man. Like the, those are the type of games where you start getting a little crazy and overreacting a little bit and, reaching for opinions on how you think this team isn't going anywhere. And it's just, they come out after a game against Tampa where they played hard and they didn't come out with a W you think they would be pumped up to go down and play another game against another Florida team. That's beatable. One of the worst teams in the Eastern conference. And, and yeah, they came back and Mitch Marner, big part of that big boy, Mitch Marner, good boy, good bro. Um, like, a point is good, though. Like, they're a team that the last two years accumulated a lot of overtime shootout losses that turned into one point, and two shootout losses turned into two points. Like, you know, so if they're going to lose a hockey game, I'd rather lose them in overtime, pick up the extra point. But I understand why people were overreactive after that Saturday game. And the, I was totally overreacting. Yeah, was- in the previous Saturday game against Boston, too, man. Like, it, it's hard not to get really negative. You... You invest so much time into this hockey team and you just want to see them win so bad. Like you're just so sick of all the losing and you want to see them get past the first round and then they go out and play a game like that. I know it's December and it's just like, ah, come on. Like I know this team is better. I know this team is better. Listen, I know they went out tonight and dummied the devils again, as they should. But do you buy into this narrative that I've heard 
the last couple of days about how when you're a team like them and all you're thinking about is postseason, that it's hard to get up for these games against these bad teams like the New Jersey Devils and the Florida Panthers, etc. This isn't the NBA, though. Like, you know, like I I, kind of can see that. And we always like to come up with certain narratives or you hear certain stories like coming off a back to back or not caring because they're going to the playoff, things like that. But is this the NHL, man? The parody is ridiculous. Any team could beat any team on any night. And you you lose a couple games. Um, well, they won that game in Carolina, but they lost to Boston, lost to Tampa, two divisionals, two divisional hockey games. And then you go play the weakest team in your division or one of the weakest teams in your division. And you, you come out and you stumble around. And it's just, they don't, and when they're not playing well, Rob, they just... You know, man, like in their own end, they're so frustrating. It's not like in, in Tampa when they were losing, you're like, oh, man, they're getting chances. But during some of that Florida game, though, it's like they're hemmed in their own zone. It's it's the forwards aren't coming back to support the D. The D are making stretch passes to no one. And it's it goes the whole length of the ice. It's icing. And there's a faceoff back of their own end. And there's Babcock throwing out the fourth line against their first line. Like, it's just... Certain things just start to drive you a little crazy after a while. And then what makes it even more frustrating, to your point earlier, is tonight's game against the Devils. That's what it looks like when they're executing as they should be. Yeah, exactly. That's when the stretch pass is working. And they're the team that probably tries the stretch pass more than anyone in the NHL. Oh, they they live by that stretch pass. And when it works, it's great, man. Like uh, spring guys on breakaways, two-on-ones. Uh, sometimes it's just a one-on-one, but the guy gets the puck deep and then they get another man in there, get a chance on net, but they're not going to be able to stretch past the Washington Capitals though. Like, you know, like you could stretch past the New Jersey Devils all you want and yeah, you're supposed to beat up on bad teams and I'm happy they did, but I just have a feel like you're not going to be able to stretch past the Washington Capitals or the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins in the playoffs or in future games against those teams coming up. So it's like, yeah, it works all well and good. It's what it's supposed to look like, but it's just, is it really going to work against the tougher competition in the league and against better decors who could skate faster, who are more physical teams that have better goaltending? Like it's just, it's all questions that we don't have the answer to yet, but early indication against those teams, it it seems like it doesn't work. So that's why the stretch pass worries me a little bit. How about we all come back in our own end, set up, regroup, support the puck, get another man in there. Like why do we have a guy hanging out on the, around the red line or the far blue line against a great four checking team like the Boston Bruins? You just provided me with a fantastic transition into one of the main points I wanted to discuss. So, I've been talking about earlier about how I was feeling kind of down in the dumps these last couple of days. And I think a main reason for that is anybody can see that this roster as currently constituted, at least in my opinion, is not good enough to go deep in the playoffs. Like, I just don't think they are. Like, I do not see them getting past Boston or Tampa in the postseason, which means, and with Tampa pulling away in the division, it means potentially another first round exit. So Kyle Dubas randomly came out yesterday and spoke with the media. And the two hot-button topics over the last couple weeks, we touched on them both last week, were the lack of talent on the blue line and team toughness. We will get into team toughness a little later, but I want to read you, I'm going to read two quotes on this show 
from Dufus's press conference yesterday. This is what he said. Of course, he's obviously asked about the defense. Well, actually, yesterday in his press conference, there were three main topics that he covered. One of them was also offer sheets. You and I are not going to waste a second of our time talking offer sheets. That's It's just, I can't stand this narrative. To me, this is the media trying to create a talking point. There's no way the Leafs are going to lose Matthews or Marner to an offer sheet. I will come on the air and eat my hat over the microphone if they lose Matthews or Marner to an offer sheet. Yeah, there's so many layers to that conversation, too. We could go off on a 10-minute run about that topic, but... It's just, I see no reason to be concerned about this, and the media just so desperately... Well, not this far away. Like, we got so many more hurdles to jump and hills to climb before we even get to that point. So that concludes any discussion we're going to have about offer sheets on this show. Now, let me read you... Kyle Dubas' quote yesterday regarding the defense. We'd like to continue to move the puck better from our own zone. I think that's on the forwards to get open and available and on the defense to execute when they're open and available. I think it is an area we want to continue to improve upon. I think it is an area that we can make great gains and continue to improve as a club. And if that isn't something that's happening as we get closer to the end of February, I think we'll certainly look to improve. So he's alluding to if the blue line doesn't get better, they could potentially make a deal. Now, there's so many ways I want to go with this, but first, give me your reaction to that quote. Well, I think he's just finally saying what everyone thinks. Like, usually pro hockey teams or any team in any pro sport, like, they know what's true, we know what's true, but they decide to come out in the media and spin some sort of narrative that everything's okay and that they're not looking for anything because they're happy. So I was actually impressed that he came out and said that and was honest with how he feels. And he's obviously seeing what we are seeing, which is encouraging to me. So first point I want to make with this is I'm also very, I was pleased to see that as well. Cause I agree. He's seeing what we're all seeing. But I don't know if you heard Chris Johnson on Good Show earlier today, but he said what I've been thinking about this as well. The Leafs ain't making a deal until Matthews and Marner are signed. Like, they can't look to add a piece and more salary. And here we go again, getting into the salary talk. They can't look to add a piece and more salary until Matthews and Marner are at their numbers. So that's first and foremost. So, Especially a guy with, yes, because he says he wants a guy with term. Right. So that that that's where that comes from. It's like, because he says he doesn't want a rental. So yeah, I can understand that. So in order for them to make this deal and improve, so it really comes down to like, how important do you think the window in this season is? Like how big do you, how wide open is that window in their opinion? Because if you think that this year is a year where you need to make a run and you need to capitalize, that puts the pressure on Leafs management to get Matthews and Marner done as soon as they can. Because as soon as they're done, you can start tinkering with other things. So we're going to get an indication of that where they see this season. Like, are they looking like this year, this is the year we got to try and make a run this year? Or are they looking at like, we're going to, if, if we're there, if we don't make it this year, but we're there in a year or two or three, then so be it. So we're going to, we're going to get a clear picture of that. I, I just see Kyle Dubas, like 
I don't think their window is just this year. I know everyone's like, oh, you got to get these guys. You got to win on their entry levels because that's what Chicago did. And that's what Anaheim did when they had Getzlav and Perry. But it's just you know, we see what is happening with players coming out of their entry level. And it's just I think if I put myself in Kyle Dubas's shoes, he is thinking that as long as he has Matthews, Marner, Riley, Tavares, and whatever other and Frederick Anderson and whatever other guy you want to throw in there that the window is open and the and of course the chance of making the playoffs year in year out is high, which is really right. But what you need you, from a franchise. Right, but do you think with that group they're good enough to go on a cup run, Ryan? I don't think they are. I don't know, man. Dude, look at look at Alexander Ovechkin, the guy. What? Do, do any of these Leaf players right now, were they as good as Alex Ovechkin when Alex Ovechkin was 21 years old? Probably not. And maybe they'll never even hit his level because the guy's having an unreal year. But it took this guy a long time to win a cup. So maybe the window isn't, the window could be an open as long as you want it to be. And to me, it's like, it's not, it's just a three-year countdown. Start now, window closes in three years. If you just have a skill core of hockey players like Ovechkin, Backstrom, John Carlson, Braden Holpe. As long as you keep a core together like that, it all depends on what fits around them that certain year under your salary cap that can make your window open up again or shut a little tight. Like people just love this window, window this, window that. It's like there's no, we don't know. Like there's no concrete facts that say, oh, the window's going to be open this long. I just think Kyle Dubas in his mind is like, as long as I have this core, then I strongly believe that we will be a playoff team year in, year out. And if the pieces fall were, if the pieces fall correctly, then we could make a run and potentially finally bring a Stanley Cup to this city. But if that's not the case, then I see us being a perennial playoff team in the future as long as we secure these guys in this core. Because he obviously believes in them. And what are you going to do? Get rid of one of them? Like, yeah. This is the guy. These are the guys you've drafted. This is all what we wanted. We wanted to build through the draft. Here are the guys we got. We're all going to sign them, and we're going to take this these horses and run with them as long as we can. I have to say, Ryan, before the show started, I was in need for a bit of a therapy session and a positive uplifting, and you're doing a great job of that so far. Well, that's just the way. Like, what 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 do people expect? Like, like okay, it doesn't. They don't win the cup this year, so all of a sudden, like. Because they got deals with Gardner coming up and Cap. Because they're, 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 the goal is going to be signing the two big boys, okay? And whatever happened, like Jake Gardner's not coming back next year. So if you think Jake Gardner's the guy who dictates the window, then you're entitled to your opinion. But well, I do not agree I with it. I don't think that. I think I think I would like to see them. Like, okay, let's let's go into my next point. I wanted to do a little bit of like fantasy GMing here. In the next part, where like if you were going to make a deal for a defenseman, who would you be willing to part ways with? And the problem with that is, and we're going to do that, we're going to do that. But the problem with that is like, it's it's not that I think like the window relies on Jake Gardner. It's just, if you're going to go out and get a defenseman, like you need to know where that player is going to fit in the puzzle, right? So Matthews, what's Matthews at? What's Marner at? And where does this asset fit? And that's what I mean in terms of the window of like, you've got like Matthews and Marner on their cheap entry level deals. So do they look at that and say, we need to capitalize right now 
while we're while they're on their entry level contracts still, or you don't think that's the case? Well, that that means that means getting a rental and name me the last high priced rental that went well and actually worked. Maybe I'm just gapping on someone, but uh, 19 times out of 20 or whatever number, it, it usually doesn't work. And it, and, and it, if you can't make a deal until those guys are done, that means you're getting a guy on an expiring contract. And that's just something that Kyle Dubas isn't going to do. And it seems like he's has no interest in doing, especially a high-priced guy. Yeah, he might go out and get a guy to replace Osha Ganoff or a guy to replace Parland home. But that, in the long run, that really means nothing. But... I, I just, first of all, let me just say this. People, if we're going to talk trade this year, say we're they're going to make a trade this year and it's going to be for someone who's going to stay around or whatever. If I hear one more person throw the name Connor Brown as trade bait, I'm going to lose my mind. You will not get anything for Connor Brown, okay? Let's stop throwing Connor Brown and a pick in there. If you really want to go out and get the guy you need, you need to start at Casbury Capitan and work your way up. That brings me to my next point. Kasperi Kapanen, if you're going to move somebody, would it be him? Yeah, well, he's he's the guy who who's, who's worked himself into a higher role through his play this season and a team that a, a hockey player that a team would be very interested in, a guy who could play on your first line, your penalty kill, your power play. He's got a ton of speed, he can score goals. He he's he's not the hardest player sandpaper hockey player but he gets it on the four check works hard so let, let's stop throwing in the the connor brown like it, it that's not going to get you anything you need to start if you want that guy who's gonna be in your top pair or a guy who's gonna be maybe surpass morgan riley or be just underneath him you need to start at casper cabinet and maybe move to nazim kadri like guys like that like let's just stop mentioning the dumb names like this is it's stupid if you really want that guy, you have to be willing to part with an asset that you're happy with right now. And you may not like it because he might might be attached to the hockey player. But if you really want to make a significant trade, those are the names you got to start saying out loud. Kapanen's the perfect choice because he's playing himself off the team right now because he's driving his price up higher and higher. And the way he's played this season, his value has never been as high as it is right now. So he's the perfect guy to sort of single out and be like, you, we could potentially trade you. And I know there's people going nuts hearing me say this. And listen, check the tape. Nobody has been a bigger Kasperi Kapanen fan than me. Yeah, but, this has nothing to do with his, we, we don't like him or not. It's right. just if you, if you want someone who's good, you got to give up somebody who's good. And I think that's something they have to look into, Ryan. They're just not good enough back there. Like, they just, they're just not. Like, they got, listen, you got Riley, who is proving this year that he's like a top four NHL defenseman legit in the league, but is an offensive-minded guy, like struggles defensively at times. You got Gardner, whose issues are well-documented and who won't be here next year. You got Dermott, who's still super young. And one thing that I've learned in all my years in watching hockey, it takes a long time for defensemen to develop like a long, long time. Like how many years Riley been in the league? Like five, six? And he's yeah, just now time. coming into his own? And Travis Dermott too. It's like another guy. He may not show a ton of it right now, but is kind of more of an offensive type of defenseman. And after that, yeah. So so there, another offensive Which is type the, of defenseman. To be fair though, like there's not a lot of 
stay-at-home guys anymore, you know? Like, usually the top hockey players in the NHL, defenseman-wise, are all guys who can contribute offensively. So that's not a bad thing. There's not a lot of stay-at-home beauties left in the league. But After that, you got Hainsey, who's 100 years old, and then you got Dermot and Ojiganoff, who are just guys. So... It's just you're, and I agree with you. And, and people Zaitsev. love to, re- yeah, Zaitsev. Forgot Zaitsev. I knew I was forgetting somebody, man. He stinks yeah. sometimes. I knew it was. I'm sitting here going, "Who am I forgetting?" Zaitsev. Yeah, yeah, man. He's brutal um, sometimes, dude. Um, and I know people like to reference the Penguins as like you don't need a great defense core to win a cup, and I get all that, but I just think this team and the way their forwards play. Their defense core needs to be better than it is for them to really contend. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I, I honestly, I don't even beef with Ron Hainsey that much anymore because I would love if Ron Hainsey was on the third pair or even the fourth guy on the second pair. Like, I actually don't mind what he brings, but to, to have him out there on your top pair and playing against top lines and top minutes, it's he, he he's his age is his age shows a little bit. So I, I, I'm not I'm not too bad on Hainsey, but. Like, Zaitsev is just, sometimes he's out there. I don't know what he's doing. Gardner is Gardner. And Dermot's got some growing. And Osha Ganoff's just a guy. Like, he's just a guy out there. Like, it doesn't really bring much. In any event, Rye, I do think that we agree that if they get to a situation where they want to make a deal for a defenseman, It'll help their case a lot if Matthews and Marner are signed to their long-term contracts, and you just have to accept that you're going to have to give up something to get something. Yeah, like yeah, we we I love we love Casperi Cabinet. I love what he brings to the table. I love his speed. He's probably my favorite, one of my favorite players to watch, just because of his actual speed and the way he can get to pucks and skate with the puck. Not a lot of guys on the team can do what he does, but if you want to get that guy, let's just stop mentioning Connor Brown and start putting Casperi Kapanen in that conversation. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in, spread the word, tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. I want to get into the next quote from Kyle Dubas that I found very, very interesting. And it's surrounding the still polarizing topic of team toughness. Now, before I read the quote, we've talked a lot on this show about old school versus new school mentality. And you got the old guard of guys who thinks you need a tough guy to go out there and send a message to the other team. And when your guy's getting pushed around, you need a guy on your bench that can respond. And then you got the new school group which is more you know like analytics driven and skill and speed and it's real it's a real thing I'm somewhere in the middle like we've talked about this I don't think going out and getting a quote-unquote tough guy is realistic but I would like to see 
a bit of a culture shift in that room of, hey, we're not going to let guys push us around. I was very heated about that last week. And we found out what Kyle Dubas's stance is on this yesterday. Would you like to hear it, Ryan? Yeah, buddy. Uh, I Go for it. Let's, I'm, I'm dying to hear what he has to say about this team toughness. I have a feeling I know what he's going to say, but... First of all, actually, let's tease it a little more. Where are you at on that? Uh, well, we, we went off last week, man. We just we both agree there's not a lot of guys. You, you can't just go out and get a Tom Wilson. There's only one of them or two of them or three of them in the NHL. It's just the guys in that locker room have to decide that they're going to start being a little tougher on the puck, tougher in front of the net, shove back a little bit more. It doesn't take a fight, but it takes just a little bit of pushback, you know, just get teams thinking. You're not going to get pushed around. We're not going to get pushed around tonight because we're going to push back. That I think that's what we can both agree on. They just kind of, you're right, a culture shift. Just, you know what, tonight if someone gives us a shot, we're going to turn around and give them a whack back. So here's Dubas's quote. Very, very revealing. I'm going to pick it up from where I think the right spot is. Asked about team toughness. He says, I look at Tampa Bay and they're eight or nine points ahead of us now and they've built their team their way. I understand it's at every level. Whether it's been Sault Ste. Marie or the Marlies, it's been the same question and I just don't buy it myself. I know that there are a lot of pundits that say you have to have it, but I look at the teams that have had success and I don't think that bringing in one big person is going to change our culture and it's not going to help us carry on the process we've started. We want to have skill, we want to be fast, and we want to be competitive. And I don't really think that the way that the league is going, that having someone who can come in and fight or anything like that is going to change that. We've got a way that we want to play, and we're just going to carry on with that, and in the end, people will judge if it was effective. That is a very, very revealing quote, Ryan. Which is everything we said. Like, we guessed that. We both said that last week. This is a guy who is heavy on the analytics, heavy on the the, the numbers on the paper, and he's not going to go changing his whole philosophy after one Saturday night blowout in Boston. He's just not that type of guy. He's not going to react like that. And even if he did, good luck trying to find that one guy who can contribute to your lineup and be a tough guy because, like we said before, there's not a lot of them out there. So that's just confirming what we thought. This is a guy, he just, he just, he's not going to buy into it. And he said it right there. He's not going to. And he's going to keep doing things his way and building this hockey team the way he sees fit and what his vision of success is, putting together a roster. Be fast, have skill, and be competitive. Was that a Babcock line? No, that's what he said in his quote. Oh, wow, I'm sleeping. Sounds like Babcock. Yeah, no, he... You're right, and you're right. We said this last week, and he's a part of the new school, the new age, the new NHL. And again, I actually love that about him. I love that he's not the same old recycled guy who's been around the league forever. So anyone who's waiting for them to bring in an enforcer, you're going to be waiting a really long time. Yeah, like they, they do. They got rid of the guy they had. They had Matt Martin, a guy who could chug up and down the ice on your fourth line. And maybe not be like the biggest heavyweight, but he'll he'll have a go with some of the toughest guys in the league because he's a he's a pretty tough dude. And they just said we're ready to move on from you because we don't think that you're a guy we want moving forward for the type of lineup we want to build. And they had a guy like that. So 
They got rid of him, and that shows you right there that they weren't willing to waste a roster spot on a guy who can step in and drop the mitts if need be in a hockey game. I kind of like that he came out and said this yesterday because it kind of puts the whole are we going to go out and get Wayne Simmons thing to rest. It's like they're not going and getting a quote-unquote tough guy. All the old school hockey guys can just let it go. Like it's just it's just not what's going to happen. So sitting and getting upset about it and saying they're not going to win anything. They're not going to win anything. It's like, listen, Tampa Bay does not have an enforcer on their team and they are the hands down favorite to win the Stanley Cup. So I don't buy the argument either. I'm glad he came out and said this and finally put it to rest. Having said all that, though, let's get some more grit just within that room and just not be pushed around. But the priority and the focus is where it should be, and it's on improving the defense, not going out and getting a quote-unquote enforcer. Which is what we've all wanted for not just this year, but the past couple years. We just want another guy in our top six who can play against top teams in the NHL and be effective and shut down lines and can be physical and can make an outlet pass and or a breakout pass in his own zone. So I'm happy Kyle Dubas came out and admitted the truth. All right, I think we've hit on all the current events. Let's move into Bums and Beauties. Yes, this week's edition of Bums and Beauties, my dude. Hit the music. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. That's right. It's this week's edition of Bums and Beauties. Ryan, I always make you go first, and this week is going to be no different. Who is your beauty of the week? My beauty of the week. Man, doing this weekly is tough because there's well, some... We've, we've like, started to go off the board, so you can do that. Yeah, well, you know I'm what? I'm going off the board for my bum of the week. Okay, well, beauty of the week, it, I, I, I try not to recycle guys too often, but um, you know what? I'm not going to recycle. I was going to go with someone we usually go with, but I'm not going to this time. I'll, I'll just go with Patrick Marlowe. Uh, not for any reason of his play this season, but a guy who just passed another guy in the all-time scoring list. Uh, now he's tied with Rocket Richard, just passed uh, Stan Makita. And, you know, it's just impressive seeing a guy at his age still doing what he does. He has nine goals this season. And, yeah, he might not be as effective as he used to, but to play as many games in this league as this guy has consecutively and the amount of time he has not missed and he's been healthy the whole time and yeah he's been kind of polarizing and and uh, San Jose with the captaincy being ripped off him and they never got it done there but you just have to respect a guy who's been in the league this long and who's liked this much by his teammates and looked up to by some of the stars on the team so oh, Patty Marlowe and he seems like an absolute beauty. Like, if I was Dude, on the team, I would love Patrick Marlowe. The thing that I think is ridiculous is when I hear people, listen, I agree with you. I think he is a beauty, and I think his leadership is so valuable. But I also agree with the people who just are, like, flummoxed at how much money he's being paid. Yeah, it's, I'm not saying. It's nothing to do. Yeah, I don't like the contract either. And he doesn't... No, but the people... No, but right. The people who who go on and on about, like, well, they could trade Patrick Marlowe. It's like, they're no, they not can't. trading Patrick Marlowe. 
Mike, first of all, they can't trade him on that contract. Second of all, Mike Babcock values his leadership way too much to get rid of this guy. Way too much. If you think that Babcock is going to sign off on trading Patrick Marlowe or getting rid of Patrick Marlowe or Lou Lamoreloing Patrick Marlowe, there's that is absolutely not happening. They value this guy's leadership so much. Matthews and Marner love him. Like he's like their dad. There's no way they're getting rid of this guy. Absolutely no way. And you know what? The money's not great, but at least they signed him to a three-year deal, man. Like, they didn't sign this guy to a seven-year deal. Like, three years is is pretty okay with me because next year is already his last year. Like, like, and then that's it. You can call it a career. You either call it a career with the Maple Leafs or you take a huge haircut to stay. But, like, you know what? I, I, I'm just giving him the beauty status because he's probably an NHL Hall of Famer. I don't see why he wouldn't be... Um, and it's just a guy who can play that long and stay healthy that long and be consistent as he is. That's why he's my beauty of the week this week. My beauty of the week. And like you said, doing this week in and week out is hard, but I'm going to recycle one here. Please jump in on this with me. My beauty of the week is John Tavares. We've sung his praises. I feel like week in and week out on this show, but the teams has struggled a little bit over the last couple weeks. Austin Matthews struggling. Nylander's having a difficult time coming back from not being here for the first part of the season. And this guy has been worth every penny. I shudder to think where the Leafs would be without John Tavares. Yeah, and a guy who already has 21 goals and, and a whack of points. He's not in the top. He's no one. He's in no heart Art Ross conversation, but I don't care about any but of like, that. Dude, he's so dude, valuable. The guy, yeah, he is, man. Like the, he's a guy who can just put the puck in the net, can finish a play, can make a pass, can win a faceoff, play on the power play, could probably yeah. play on the penalty kill. Guy yeah. who works his ass off off the ice, does everything right. Beauty good from the, yeah, good pro, good player, unbelievable every skill. Day. Yeah, and he's in that Casper mattress commercial where he's just yep. sleeping in the arena. And I honestly, that's truly believe that's that. I don't even think that's a commercial. I think they followed him around. Yeah, the guy just, just shot footage. Just loves hockey. Absolutely loves hockey. You know, one thing you're gonna learn quickly about Johnny is Johnny's a hockey nut. He loves and he's passionate about the game of hockey and he does it the right way every single day. And he puts on his work boots and he's ready to start on time and he's just an unbelievable pro. And he's in the weight room with he, Babs with, with loves it when you're in the brownie. Yeah, Babs loves it when you're in the weight room. Oh yeah. If I if I was a Maple Leaf, I'd every time Babs walks by, even if I wasn't working out, I'd just run in there and just start doing push ups or something just to see that I was working out every day, and I was a good pro. So everything that needs to be said about John Tavares has already been said. He's my beauty of the week. Yeah, it's just the yeah. I'm with you. It's just the production, uh, guys. Like you know what? The, it's a big number on his contract. Not everyone lives up to their contracts. A lot of money that these guys get paid, but at least the guy's putting up some serious production. He already has over 20 goals, and that's all you can really ask for from a superstar hockey player. All right. Bums of the week. Who you got? My bum of the week, we kind of touched on it earlier, is the Toronto Maple Leaf power play. 
Um, they've been a target for me before. I, I know anyone who listened to the first episode of this podcast, we were just going off about how the power play is so lethal and it's so dangerous. But what their power play is showing is that sometimes the guy who can sit in this, uh, the face-off dot and has the big one-timer like Stamkos, Lion A, Alex Ovechkin, guys like that, sometimes you, you need a guy like that. And Austin Matthews is a guy who's on a strong side who receives the puck and quickly risks it off, and he's got a good enough wrist shot to beat pretty much every goalie in the National Hockey League. But teams have figured that out. But it's not even Marner needs to shoot more. It's just they're not even getting, like, set up properly anymore. Like, they just can't find a good opportunity to the net. Like, lanes are shut down. They're shooting into shin pads. They... They're not getting any good opportunities. That Mitch Marner, like, slap shot pass to the front of the net, hoping for a deflection, like, never works. And we were so stoked on all the guys on the power play this year, but they're showing that a guy like James Van Riemsdyk was very valuable on that power play with Mitch Marner, and guys like Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Kadri on that top pair, on that top unit, it's not really working out too great, man. So I don't really see Babcock changing anything, but... That if this this is a stat killer though, like guys like Matthews and Marner are missing out on serious points if they're not cashing in on these power plays. Like Nikita Kucherov for the Tampa Bay Lightning just racks in the power play points. So if you're not contributing on the power play or not scoring at all, it's it's gonna hurt your stat line as well. In fairness, their power play was the talk of the league at the beginning of the season, so teams have tape on it now and have sort of figured out a way to defend it. Yeah, I've noticed we, that. What bothers me, though, is Alexander Ovechkin's been taking the exact same slap shot for 10 years. Yep, excellent point. And guess what? Guess what? Everyone everyone knows that it's going over to him for the big slapper. And guess what? It still works. They still figure out a way. They're skilled enough hockey players to work around it and figure it out. And this power play just seems like a one-trick pony, and they figured out the trick, and now it's just a whole lot of nothing. Can't even get set up. So that's why the power play is my bum of the week this week because they got to start get they got to get going, man. Like the, those are big goals they're missing out on. Like if you go well, up look on at a, the Tampa Bay game, yeah, they missed a ton of chances on the power play, which could have put them in their position to win the game. Yeah, which could put Mitch Marner's point total and uh, even higher compared to guys who are on top of the league can push him higher. But if you're not getting those power play points and cashing in on those opportunities, then you're going to have a hard time producing a lot of points five on five because five on five in the national hockey league is pretty tough. So if you're not converting on those chances, you're not, your point totals aren't really going up as high as you want them to. Speaking of Mitch Marner, Ryan, my bum of the week is Mitchie's old man, Paul Marner. Oh, this is a good one, man. I actually, I didn't, we didn't even bring this up, but I actually... Oh, no, one, I've been buddy. waiting. I've been waiting for this moment to bring it up. Oh, this is brutal. If my dad did this, I'd be pissed. Mitchie's dad, Paul, goes full minor hockey dad and does an interview with Jonas Siegel in The Athletic where he says it drives the Marner family nuts when Mitch isn't included in the in the debate surrounding who should be the Leafs next captain. Wow, 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 wow. Just you can never take the hockey dad out, eh? He's still the dad standing up in the bleachers at all the barns around Ontario, just my kid's better than your kid. Like still the same guy. 
sons in the show. Oh yeah, dude, you can't. Yeah, that triple A mentality, that hockey dad mentality. Now my kid's the best on the team. Now my kid's the best on the team. But it's like. Dude, this kid is a big boy. He's making a lot of money already, and he's going to be in for a huge payday. And you're sitting here complaining about the captaincy? Like, come. It's it's just it's so funny how you know that he was probably just like one of the nightmare hockey dads when Mitch was a kid. And now his kid is in the show, going to sign a contract at the end of the year, probably worth $10 million, And you're still just... My kid's better than the Matthews kid. My kid's better than Tavares. Like, just the same, same guy he probably was when Mitch was, like, 10. It's hilarious. And how embarrassed... Like, you know these guys are seeing that quote. Marner's got to come into the room today, and they're probably just giving it to him about how his dad gets upset that he's not in the captain conversation. That is weak. Weak, Paul Marner. Weak. Yeah, that that I would honestly, I'd be like, Dad, can you just yeah, shut I your know, mouth, I man? Know. Like, like why are you like starting beef almost? Like, it's uh, Matthews and Marner are like best I know, buddies. It's ridiculous. Like, like do you think Mitch Marner really cares about the captaincy? Like, sit at home, dude. Your your job as a hockey dad is over, bud. Your kid made it to the show. Your hockey, you retired from hockey dadness as soon as your kid got to the show, man. So, all right, now it's time for the part of the show where we. Look ahead to the week that's coming up. Thursday night, the Leafs take on the Florida Panthers again, this time at home, looking for a much better effort than what we saw on Saturday night. Then they've got a back-to-back, Saturday at home against the New York Rangers, and then Sunday at home against the Detroit Red Wings. Any comments on these three games, Ryan? All three at home, so they're back from the road trip. They're all teams that you should beat. Like they're all not they're all teams that aren't top hockey teams and they're all teams that if you play your game and their stretch pass works perfectly or whatever the however they want to play, these are games that you could pick up points in and with Buffalo right behind you and teams starting to kind of catch up to you and Tampa separating themselves, these are points that you really want right now. You really want to take two points from pretty much every game. And you want to come out and play like how you played tonight, regardless who their opponent was. If they come out and play how they played tonight against those other hockey teams, they should be able to pick up W's. And that's all I'm looking for, man. I'm just looking for them to show a little dominance against teams that aren't so high in the standings. All right, it's time to move into totally unqualified takes. It's time for Talking Buds, Totally Unqualified Takes. Yes, it is that time. All right, time for Totally Unqualified Takes. Ryan, I have a hard time doing... I definitely have a harder time doing this week to week than I do with Bums and Beauties because we make such grand predictions or statements or unqualified takes that it's hard to keep topping them week after week after week. So I'm going to do a more subdued one this week. 
I'm predicting the Leafs pick up all six possible points in their next three games against the Panthers, Rangers, and Red Wings. Well, that's a good one. I, I hope I hope you're right. Honestly, we got to go back an episode, maybe next episode. We got to go back and tally some of these totally unqualified takes because honestly, I think I, I went back and looked at some of them and you're smoking me this year, buddy. Your, your takes are not totally unqualified. You've actually had some good ones. You've been on point this year. I just think they've been slumping a little bit lately into what you just said about these three teams being teams they should beat like like let, let's get on a bit of a roll here and go because after Sunday they don't play again until the following Friday in Columbus right so let's get on a bit of a roll here and like just get some points in the bank and start making some ground and catching up to Tampa because Tampa's pulling away right now and you know what that means that means you're not going to win the division and that means you're going to end up playing Boston or Buffalo in the first round Columbus again yeah, oh, Columbus again. Good Friday. Like, jeez. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well. Yep. All right. My totally unqualified take. My tut this week is we see a back to back coming up this weekend. We got we got the Rangers and the Red Wings. So that means good old Garrett Sparks is probably going to get another start against the Red Wings. Yeah, I'm guessing he gets Sunday's game against the Red Wings. And we saw how he played last time against the Red Wings. It wasn't very good. But my prediction, my tut, is Garrett Sparks will have a bounce-back hockey game against the Detroit Red Wings, allowing two goals or less in a oh you're putting a you're you're even saying how many goals yeah wow i know i'm putting i'm putting a lot this is truly a totally unqualified take but garrett sparks has been kind of on and off this season and he didn't play too well but i have a feeling he's going to come up right before the christmas break come up with a big game big backup game for the maple leafs allowing two goals or less in a maple leafs win so i'm doubling down on him allowing two goals or less in a maple leafs win so garrett sparks don't let me down my dude All right, that's going to do it for episode 12. Once again, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to anybody listening. We're going to try and get a show out next week, but bear with us. It's going to be a busy week with Christmas and Boxing Day and New Year's coming up. Regardless, we're going to have a new show out to you guys as soon as possible. If we don't see you again before 2019, we just want to thank everybody for downloading and supporting these first 12 episodes that we've done. I can't believe it's been 12 episodes already, Ryan. Yeah, it's gone by so fast, and and maybe next week if we do do a little Christmas show, we'll we'll make it like kind of a special one or one that's a little I'd different. Like to try and get, I'd like to try and get a, a talking bud special edition out next week. Not making any promises, but it would be cool to get that out. Yeah, just kind of a different flavor episode. Try something new. What we what that is, we don't know yet because we're not exactly the most professional dudes on planet Earth, but. We'll figure out something good, and hopefully we'll bring that to you, but no promises because it's Christmas, and we like opening presents and having a couple drinkies. We do love opening presents and having a couple drinkies. Yeah, I'm going to be having a couple wobblies, so a couple pops, even though I don't think I've ever called them wobbly pops in my entire life until now. That's the most hockey player thing you've ever said. Well, this is a hockey podcast, my dude, but I'm going to have a couple. Am I doing this podcast with Darcy Tucker? Oh, my goodness. Is he still getting paid by the Leafs? Who knows? Yeah, of course. He's never not going to get paid by the Leafs. Yeah, Maple Leaf legend Darcy Tucker. That's the beauty thing about being a Leaf. They pay you forever. Maple Leaf legend Darcy Tucker in a lot of people's eyes. Thank you for downloading, everybody. Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon.
Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal wherever you get your podcasts.